This is Humans of Non-League, a podcast about the people who live and love football outside the spotlight. My name is Chris Nee, and this week's human is a good friend of mine who shares my love of non-league football and of podcasting. Graham Sibley is one-third of The Sound of Football, a noted football satirist, and a regular at Step 4 outfit Whiteleaf. Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's been a whole week since we last spoke. I was on a recent episode of The Sound of Football, and what a pleasure it was. I know, and what a week in football it's been. You say that every week. Are we allowed to do that on here? Let's do that on here. Right, we're going all the way back, Graham, to the very beginning of Graham Sibley. Where did you grow up? I don't know this. Uh, I grew up, well, yeah, I'm a bit like one of those characters in the book where you get little snippets of of, of, of my childhood and then they don't actually mesh up. I, I grew up mostly in Croydon. That's where I went to school. Uh, but my parents split up when I was very young and my mum lived in East London. And so I spent weekends and summer holidays there. So that's there. There are there, there's a, a two centre stage of my of my childhood. Uh, but yeah, I went to school in Croydon and I lived. I, I grew up very early in my life. I was living in South Norwood. Uh, and then I moved to another part of Croydon. So very close to Crystal Palace, but not a Crystal Palace supporter. Of which we will definitely come on to because you have to justify <laughs> yourself on this one, I think. I How were you at school? Uh, I was uh, a bit geeky, quite clever. Not all that sporty. I, I, was, I was enthusiastically sporty, uh, but not, not the greatest. Uh, I loved playing, playing football. I played football whenever I could. So I would play football at school and then I would play football when I got home as well. So with the other kids in the street and that would be, I'd be, I'd be playing most of my, my, my football on concrete. So either in playgrounds or, or I just say in the street. Did you play any organized football? For school? Yeah. Uh, When I left school, I played um, Sunday league, Uh, but not, not to any extent. And, And in fact, when, by the time I got to latter stage of secondary school. There was a, a work to rule uh, amongst the teachers' unions. Uh, this would have been the, the, the mid '80s, and all organised football was was stopped in schools. So uh, that there was a, a gap in my in my football uh, playing, and I never really went back into it. I went back into it. I dabbled back into it when I started work because I left school when I was 18, started work straight away in Croydon and started playing Sunday league and really enjoyed that. I really loved the social aspect of it because these were people that I worked with. And so we train on a, on a Thursday night and then we play on Sunday mornings and then spend most of the afternoon in the pub. And, and that I really enjoyed that. But then Jobs change, lifestyles change, and uh, football just became something that I enjoyed watching. Non-league football in the London area, people who've got any, a keen interest in the history of non-league football will be aware that it has been over the years quite a big deal. Did you have any concept of non-league football when you were growing up? Well, actually, I did, but not as something that you went to go and watch. Uh, where I grew up in South, in South Norwood, Right at the very end of my road was the Croydon Arena, which was very, very low-key version. Uh, well, it was an athletics track with a team that used to play, the Croydon FC. And they still do. Uh, they played in what was then the Berger Isthmian League. And this was when, you, when I was growing up, when I was still in junior schools, the, uh, I would walk past this and I knew that there was this football club there, but it wasn't a... 
in the speech marks, a proper football club. And I never really thought about what that was until one day I was watching a final score and I must have been, I must probably about eight or so. And Croydon's name came up on the final score and it was the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. And uh, I think it was Wickham they were playing. I said, it was somewhere like that. And, 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 and it just struck me. And I thought, well, hang on, that happened at the end of my road. That happened just 100 yards away. And here they are, this, they're mentioning this, this football club that exists in reality. It wasn't just something that football to me was largely something that I watched on Sunday afternoon on, on the big match. Or if I was lucky and got to stay up on, 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 on match of the day. That's, that's what football was to me then as far as as different to just playing it out in the streets. So it was it was there, but it was only until I left school that non-league football became something that I was some well, was something that I went along and watched. Uh, and yes, you're right, there's so much of it in South in South London that <laughs> there was lots of there on offer for it for me. Where would you go for non league on those sort of post school days? In, in the early nineties my colleague on Sound of Football and someone who I met at school, so someone I've known for almost 40 years, Terry DeFellon, uh, used to live in Thornton Heath. So we would go semi-regularly, I'd say probably say about four or five times a season, maybe to go and watch Croydon Athletic, uh, which was which was good, good fun. They were playing, they were a new team back then. They were playing in the London Spartan League getting up towards going up towards the uh, Isthmian League. They overtook Croydon for a little while. Then there was all manner of shenanigans went on at that club and uh, they they bust and then they, they reformed again. But this was all sort of, I never really got that close to it. It was it was always something of a, of a bit of a fun day out that we do. And I remember the first, perhaps the first non-league game I, I went to see was perhaps uh, Carl Shorten's Sutton United. And that was perhaps like, I was would have been about nineteen twenty, and and even then you're you're still sort of like having a it, it's a bit of a laugh going going to non-league when you're that age. It's a bit sort of like oh we're going to be ten minutes late. Do you think they'll hold back the kickoff? Isn't it? It's, it's that sort of mentality when when <laughs> when you're that age. And then when you turn up and you see that that I think on that day I think because it's like Carl Shorten Sutton there was like twelve hundred people there I think so it was it was massive. And the the the, the beauty of it was was that you were you're standing around there and you and you're hearing all the little snipes the 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 of of local fans and and it's non-league banter but it it is so yeah i i must admit it was then i i i, I that's when i sort of got non-league and but it, it's something that has rumbled on ever since and, and it's only really been in the last 10 years that i've been a season ticket holder at non-league club and that's when i've been when it's become more important so how does a Croydon lad with East London connections end up supporting the Arsenal? The family ties, basically. Um, all my family come from, uh, are based around East London and North London, so around Islington. So that's where my grandfather lived, where my dad grew up, and that's where all of the rest of my extended family come from around those, those sort of areas. So that's why I was an Arsenal fan when I was growing up. When I first got into football, Actually, Palace were on the rise and they were really popular uh, because this was the, the Terry Venables era. And uh, I remember the, the, you know, when you're a kid, uh, you, there is probably one year where you have that, that sort of breakthrough 
of football where football really yeah. becomes important and it's usually when you first get your first sticker album now my first sticker album was uh 79 80 that season arsenal would just won the fa cup so i was pretty much sold on that but palace had just won the second division title and they'd had something there are rumours that they had 50,000 plus at Sellers Park, if you believe that. But just remember, this was before Sainsbury's was built, so, so it was a much bigger area. So there was a lot of, of Palace fans there, but I, I, I still managed to hold on to, to being an Arsenal fan. Three FA Cup finals in a row, all right, losing two of them does tend to help with that. But I think with more than anything, I think when I was around that time, was that Arsenal had a couple of runs in Europe as well. And there was something about that... The, that about that 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 really did hit home and really did pique my interest because i'd be listening to uh radio 2 as it was then before radio 5 uh onto any sort of coverage that that they would have in the midweek of arsenal going behind the iron curtain going to playing locomotive leipzig or magdeburg or Hadik split or someone like that and and all those sort of names suddenly became really embedded in me and i thought wow this is this is brilliant this is this is this is a whole thing I, I hadn't i hadn't thought of would be there and and it was and it was great have you ever been a match going arsenal supporter yeah i used to be uh in in the in the 80s and and the 90s but that as again that's very much in that sort of sort of lads go going to football thing uh of course distance meant that i wouldn't go all the time i mean it's not that far i mean there's plenty of people you go you go down the trains stationed on a saturday lunchtime and you'll see plenty of red and white scarves going up from where i i live now and i, I live about 10 miles south of croydon now but it was i i think it was more of, of a case of when i think i've always thought of football as something that you go to and stand now i used to go with my dad a lot to arsenal uh he was he he was a, a weekly he, he went every week to 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 arsenal and sometimes i'd go with him and we'd stand in the in the clock end i know most people thought oh, you stood you stood in the north end and the away end was 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 was, was, was the clock end but it was as it is now really it was about half of the clock end was was the way fans and half of it was was arsenal and we used to stand there probably because it was cheaper but i don't know but mm. it was uh we, we'd stand there and those are my earliest match going football memories is going to arsenal you know sitting on a crush barrier and and having a, a brilliant time of it and when i got older you could still stand i remember going as as an adult and still standing there and Occasionally, I'd go to to Sellers Park, go and watch Palace, or go and watch Wimbledon, and then again we'd be standing at the Homesdale. And once it became all seater, I went a lot less. And and but then after that, as I say, lifestyles change, and I was consuming football more in a in a different way. I was I was creating content, and so I was watching football, consuming football mainly on television. I was creating my own things around football and 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 I was playing five-a-side football. I was playing lots and lots of five-a-side football by the end of the 1990s. That was where I was getting my most enjoyment out of football was 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 playing and again as a social aspect playing with friends and and really just getting a lot out of that and of course not thinking that by the time I got to 40 that my knees would start giving way and then I'd have to find something else to do. Who are the players who loom largest in your Arsenal memory? Uh, Liam Brady is the biggest name from my earliest 
memories of Arsenal. He was amazing to me. And I remember the, the, the goal that, the, the, that really sold me on, on football was the one he scored against, against Tottenham in the Christmas match uh, back in 1978, I think it was. Uh, but it's, it's the, the, the chip he scored. And looking back at it now, I think he's only 22 when he scores that. I think it's, it's incredible. It's, it's just an incredible bit of skill. And it, it was it was his typical 70s player. He's there, like, you know, the socks rolled down, shirt out, hair all over the place. But brilliant, mercurial talent he was. And a good line in big tie knots as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> More recently, what do you make of the post-Wenger years? It must be a bit of an adjustment, I think. Yeah, it is. I, I guess because I'm old enough to remember when Don Howe was in charge and Terry Neal, then I, I, I know that the good times are, are just a bonus. And I, I, I thought we, we were lucky enough when we had the, the, the George Graham era. And then to have that period with, with Wenger was, was just amazing. And of course, you know the second half of his of his tenure there was 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 obviously frustrating for a lot of Arsenal fans. Uh, I think I was perhaps more on the sort of like, oh well, you know this this happens. You, you, we, we, you've got to look at the wider environment of football, and and I felt I, I felt lucky to have to to be an Arsenal supporter when we had these two tremendous periods of, of when when we were really successful and. Yeah, okay. I think I I was probably more pragmatic about the fact that time has passed than a lot of other Arsenal fans. But I think it's interesting. I think I think there is always something that you can in football that you can always look at and say, well, things are going to get better. When half the time they won't, a lot of the time they 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 will um, marginally, just slightly marginally. And I think that's that's the good thing about where they are at the moment is that things can get better. Yeah, of course things can get worse, but it, it's far more likely that things will get better for Arsenal than get worse at the moment. And that's perhaps a better position than some clubs. Our paths first crossed in the uh, wonderful world of amateur football content creation. Yes. Was there anything before the onion bag that we need to cover before we move on to that? There were things, yeah. So, I mean, I've I've been friends with Terry DeFellon for nearly 40 years and... Uh, um, we've always been creative. We've always been trying to 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 to, uh, to produce our own stuff. Be that comics in the nineties to uh, to what we do now, which is which is make make podcasts. And often for the first half of that period, the internet didn't really exist, so it, it didn't really make it easy for you to make to make content to create stuff. The um, creating your own audio was basically sitting around it in in someone's house with with a with, with a tape recorder and then passing that around your friends and you know that 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 wasn't really going to fly was it so yeah we, we couldn't have made the podcast 20 odd years ago and, and the thing is this is one of the things that, that i i love about making your own own stuff is the fact that there's so much stuff we can do now that i that you just would not have been able to do god knows how well 20 odd years ago 10 years ago even in some respect but yeah, before the onion bag, there was a series of 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 things that that we did on, online. I think Ter- Terry wanted to get into sort of writing about his football experience because he, he really he, he's uh, he's a Palace fan and he wants it to to sort of get that across. And and, and I had been my first website that I'd ever made. I I, I work in, in in web 
creation now. And uh, the first one I ever created in the late 90s was one for our five-a-side team. And now it was just the, like you know, the Mickey take thing of like like all player profiles. And uh, <laughs> there was, I, I, I sort of cut my teeth in coding on there. So it, it was really worthwhile because I, I actually came up with like little widgets on there about like random team selectors and things like that and and for games to play for the for, for the other guys and and it was those sort of things that, that that laid the seeds for what we would go on to do uh so finally the internet came around and finally we had our own computers at home that we could actually play around with and and knock about ideas and then come around with things that that would other people would enjoy people that we didn't know would enjoy and and as I say, in the early 90s, you just would not have thought about that. You wouldn't have thought about how to go about doing that sort of thing. We were, I think we were, we were really excited by the idea of fanzines. Fanzines were something that we'd, that we consumed quite a lot of in the 90s, uh, of all clubs. And it was at that sort of, that sort of time, hanging around in sports pages on Charing Cross Road, just looking at, at all the stuff that was coming out. And and that was very exciting. But even then, that was that was still you still had to know someone who could print something out, and still, and that would also mean a big financial outlay as well, which of course you don't don't have now with online. It's 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 a very groovy time, Chris. And what was the core idea behind the onion bag? So it's the first time where I I had to go back and read some of the onion bag stuff because I wasn't necessarily aware of it at the time. But once we met and we spoke about it, I went and had a look back at it, and it's the first. Graham Sibley and Terry DeFadden content that I've actually indulged in myself. But what was it? Tell the people who didn't read it what it was all about. Terry came up with the idea of the onion bag in 2003. Uh, and just like anyone who really wants to, to, to launch a new football website, you do it right at the end of the season when there's no summer tournament. So when there's Every not going to be any ball kicked in anger for three months, that's when you do it. It was... It was something that he was doing on his own to begin with. He 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 wanted to 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 dabble a bit with with web design because this was well Word WordPress was only just coming into into life about this time. There's no social media. The, the Facebook and 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 Twitter do not exist yet. Uh, so, but he was he had this idea of just writing up little stories based on the Onion, satirical stories about football. And so they would be about 300 words long, complete nonsense, but just something about a joke about something in football that week. And what he wanted to try and do was to try and bring uh, a sort of magazine quality about that. So it would be something that would come out every week, every Monday, there would be a launch of, say, two, three stories that would be the onion bag. And so it wouldn't be like, we would have an idea for a story and then just post it. It would be sat there for a week and then we'd post them all in one go. That would be the idea behind it. So Terry started, then I joined, a friend of mine called Martin joined as well, and and we started to create these satirical stories. And they would be, we'd, we'd as I say, we'd bring out about three a week. We'd, we'd bring out one each a week. And they'd be running gags and things and the, the sort of thing you would find on normal sat satire websites. Uh, and it just seemed to hit home really well. This was done without really any marketing or, or any networking because networking was, wasn't that easy back then. So very web 1.0, but it seemed to do well and it seemed to gather a lot of interest. But the trouble is 
it ha- it was a sort of thing that would you couldn't really keep the pace up with it. You couldn't, uh, as far as content creation was concerned. So it was something that that you would perhaps lo- lose energy in and perhaps have to step away from a little while, which was fine when there was three of you because you could do that. You could, if one of us was not feeling it, then that's fine. We could have a couple of weeks off and then we could go in and, and, and do another one. If But what happened after that was, well, perhaps about three years into it, Martin... Heard who had got married, uh, moved to Copenhagen, and this started a, a a pattern that would dog us. Well, dog Terry and I in our content creation <laughs> for years and years and years to come. I mean, it, it was it just got beyond a joke. I must admit, but we, we'd start working with someone, and then they'd all up sticks and leave. They, I mean, I mean, seriously, leave. I mean, like oceans leave. Yeah, yeah, you are not kidding as well. Um, <laughs> talking of struggle, it's it's often said that um, the modern era is a very difficult place to be a satirist more generally. Do you think that's true in football as well? After a while, it, it is. Yeah, because once you start looking at, at football, then you start thinking, well, that this thing is satirising itself all the time. Every headline you read is, reads like something from the onion bag. I, I look at some of my old onion bags and I think, this actually happened. This, this 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 did happen so i i think the time was right when we were doing it when we started the onion bag it was about a month before abramovich took over at chelsea so in those five years that we were doing it we were uh, was all that period all that that Mourinho period and it just completely flipped over football for the previous eight years had been arsenal and man united that's all it had been back and forth back and forth back and forth and then all of a sudden Chelsea arrived and then they just everything just just fractured when we got to the sound of football the sound of football was the first episode of that came about a month after Tevez joined Man City remember that all that welcome to Manchester stuff and that just seems to bookend the period of the onion bag and about where that sits in the world and everything on from 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 Tevez joining Man City has been sound of football. That's where 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 we are with with that. I think it's we had to change and, and become something else. Not get rid of the light hearted stuff because football is bonkers and you should look at it in a in a in a more frothy way. More, but more. Uh, uh, yeah, you shouldn't take it too seriously. Basically, and I think that's that's always been my approach anyway. I know Terry likes to get a bit more serious, but yeah, that's his way. I'm going to ask you to pick at a couple of scabs now, so sorry about that. We, we'll come on to the sound of football, but before that, we worked on the football fairground together. Yep. That was a good idea. We probably should have carried on with that. And before yep. that, yourself and Terry hooked up with Chris Oakley. So yes, we did. That was, um, if I remember correctly, a case of keeping him in the game, and then the sound of football flowed from that success story. It was, it was. And, and I look back at it now, and I think that that all went really that was like a really long period of time, but it, it was so compressed, really was a, a compressed period of time. We met Chris in uh, 2008, at a time when we were getting a bit jaded with the onion bag. We were thinking, oh, where's this going? What are we going to do with it? Terry wanted to write a, a blog. He wanted to write a serious blog and he wanted to get to develop more of his interest in German football as well, which was something that he was really just getting into at that time. And we met with Chris and we had a lovely drink with him up at the Chandos up by Trafalgar Square. And uh, we'd, we'd only just met him on, on, on Twitter. Back then, you didn't talk to other bloggers 
it was just we're all little islands that if anyone approached you you thought oh what's going on what's going on what's happening so we reached out to him and he said yeah yeah let's let's have a chat and talk about 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 blogging creating your own content and and it was great and we had a lovely time and when he dropped the bombshell yeah actually i'm jacking it all in hang on hang on no 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 don't 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 be so hasty because we love your stuff and because it was a complete antithesis to what what we were doing it was light-hearted but it was it was looking at it from uh another perspective it was looking at the at the almost the the ephemera of football the 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 stuff that the 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 sticks to the outside of it and it was it's lovely it, it, it's it's all the bit all, all the favorite bits you like to read in football magazines about about the little quirky things this was what what chris was was really good at he still is I mean, his kit bliss stuff is is amazing yeah uh and uh and so we said well look why don't we why don't we help out on your site we we, we wanted to start a blog but we're not we're not we're, we don't, we're not really into starting from scratch let us let us join in on yours you can continue doing what you want to do but don't feel the need that you have to put in content every day because we've got content that we can start putting in and so we were working like that for about a year all this time chris and terry were going oh yeah i'd really love to do a podcast i'd really love to do a podcast too and and so they come up with the idea of the sound of the sound of football uh, i come up with the name they come up with the idea of doing a podcast that's how it went terry don't don't yeah don't okay right <laughs> Um, and, and that all happened in about a year. And then this was just about the time when we, we started, uh, to know you and Gary, uh, you were doing this two foot tackle. And so we got involved, uh, we, we all appeared on that and, and yeah, we, we started to develop this idea of working with the onion bag. The onion bag was on its way out now. Once, once we started the, 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 the podcast, we never really did many more of that. Some people on the pitch was moving forward. And then we decided basically to merge the two into Football Fairground. We had you coming on there, writing your stuff about uh, MLS. And you're also doing the TV previews with us as well. Uh, and all the TV previews. The TV previews. Oh, that were great. You see, we're still doing them. We're still doing them. We had, we had four years off. Very good they are too. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but all that happened. And uh, up to 2012, when... Chris decided to leave the country. Yeah, listeners, you see callbacks time. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 so he left the country to go and live in New Zealand. So yeah, yeah, 2012. That was the end of the football fairground. Uh, but we kept on the. We decided that we would continue with the with the podcast, and that was we were just starting our fourth season then. Uh, and then we got in a guy Jan who we knew who was my neighbour who would come to Whiteleaf with us. Uh, which sort of brings us on to non-league football, I suppose. Certainly does. Jan and Terry and yourself are all very excellent at it. And it's amazing to me that you were able to move yourself into the host chair effectively and bring in Jan, who instantly, he probably would say different himself, but to me instantly felt like he'd been there forever. And I suppose that's because you, you knew each other from football environments already. Yeah, I didn't tell Jan, but I'd been in, I'd been auditioning him for six months before I actually asked him onto the onto the podcast. It, it, I, he must have thought I was asking him some very pointed questions uh, <laughs> when we were when we were down at the games. Um, but it was really just to get his his opinions on things, and and the the opinions he came out with were were, were gold. They were different to what Terry and I would, would would come up with, and and Terry and I we've known each other for so long. We, there's a large crossover in what in the things that, that that we that we think of but with yan yan's yan is the the 
the perfect third person on the podcast because he provides a different perspective. You know, he's a lot like us, but in, in many ways, he, he will see things in a completely different way. And, and that's perfect for, for what we need. And, and yeah, we get on so well down at football anyway that it was just easy just to translate it across onto a podcast. How long have the three of you been getting your balls out at Whiteleaf now? <laughs> we have been playing balls out bingo down at Whiteleaf for uh, over 10 years now. Yeah, it's um, it was basically when I gave up five aside and uh, I the the knees went I couldn't play like I wanted to play football anymore and that had been every Thursday night for me for over a decade and and it was I and I I was actually really quite down when when I had to stop playing Whiteleaf is again just at the end of my road it, it's it's a 10 minute walk from my house uh, and and it had been there. It had been something that I would thought I, I had gone down there a few times, uh, occasionally on a Saturday to go there. Not nothing regularly, but I did decide once I, I'd stopped playing football. Right, I'm going to go to Whiteleaf. I'm going to get a season ticket there. Terry said, "Yeah, great. I'm going to get a season ticket too. Let's go down and watch and watch some football." But I did say to him, "Right, I'm making this point right now. This is a place where we don't do any content. There's no content here." This is not where we come to, to to just analyse the game or or to 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 share with others about what an authentic experience non-league football is. This is not anything to do with that. This is us going down and enjoying football and not creating any content. And he thought, and he said to me, "Yes, that is brilliant. That's great. Let's let, let's do that." Of course, things haven't done worked out that way, but mostly we've we've held true to that just about. Yeah, I think you have. I think you have. So it comes up on the podcast every now and then, and I think there's probably been a little uh, re- recording moment or two in the clubhouse over the years. But I certainly wouldn't consider you a white leaf blogger. <laughs> no, no. It, it, there are, we have recorded a couple of episodes down there. I, I think that's more for for texture rather than the, the, than content. There, there was a couple of incidents that, that have happened, like when. Um, when Whiteleaf got kicked out of the FA Cup for fielding an, an ineligible mm. player, uh, well, well, the player said he was someone else, um, and they got kicked out, <laughs> and uh, and we started a little meme called the Whiteleaf Curse that lasted about ten minutes, which was uh, which was a little bit of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a, a strange incident on my one and only. I've I've seen a partial football match at Whiteleaf, and that is it. About half an hour. Oh yeah, the uh, the the Hyde Town game wasn't it? Uh, Ashley Slaughter. Oh, that was that was that was quite quite worrying, wasn't it? That was. Uh, yeah, there was uh, Attack of the Bees. That was. It's a it's it's a suburban area that that, that Wiley's in, but there are little small holdings on the road on the road that that the that well on Church Road and next door is it's a detached house, but at the back of it they've got they've got geese, which uh, you can hear. They're especially vocal in November time. Um, you don't hear too much of them in January, though. No, I, don't, I don't know where they go in January, but after Christmas, whew, silent there. Um, and but they've also got bees there, and unfortunately, the uh, sometimes the bees do come over. Uh, and um, what, what was really unfortunate on the day was the, the referee. Uh, was allergic to bee stings, and he got stung on the pitch. And well, you watched him, didn't you, Chris? It was it was horrifying, wasn't it? He just collapsed on the pitch. I'm still haunted by the fact that he had the wherewithal to blow his whistle on his way down. 
Yeah, it was a very plaintive blow, wasn't it? It was, yeah, he he just, all you saw was just him just flapping around and then collapsed on the pitch. Luckily, the physio, she did, she did a wonderful job there of of actually keeping his airways open because he had an anaphylactic shock on the pitch. But uh, yeah, half an hour game that was. uh, Yeah, that was your experience at Church Road then, Chris. It was one day I will complete a game. I might just, I'll just take an hour. I'll get an hour. That'll be fine. <laughs> what is it that keeps you going? I know it's you know it's local and you know people there, but what is the stuff of non-league that actually attracts you to Whiteleaf? Football. It it really is purely football. Uh, I I could watch football. I I am that sort of bloke on Trinity Road at a green traffic light looking at, at at the park, looking at, at people playing football. And I don't mean an organised match. I mean, like, four kids and a ball, basically. If if there's if anyone is kicking a ball to each other, I'm watching it. Uh, and, and so there is that. I, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've got a few friends who've come down with me to, to Whiteleaf, and they really do make it that sort of experience that I lost when I stopped playing five-a-side. And a lot of the guys I played five aside with are now coming to, to to football with me, and so there is that, and and also as well is it's just the stories there. It's a very different kind of football, apart from like the quality. It's a very different kind of football experience when you go there. Non-league is so transient with the players. The players there, most of them aren't contracted, well, they shouldn't be contracted, not at that level anyway. And and so they will go at a week's notice. They'll 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 disappear off to another club, or they'll go somewhere and then they'll come back again. They'll do that three or four times. Sometimes they'll do that in a season, even. And so there is always the potential there that if you wanted to, you could get completely immersed with in there. But I've always kept mostly kept uh, my involvement at the club at arm's length. I did after a couple of years there. I did do give them a complete overhaul of their website. Um, because the, there was nothing wrong in you know it, with the original w- website. Chris had done a great job on it, but uh, I could do a lot better, so I did. And so they have that one, and and so and so so it is it is a, a wonderful site. The, the the one thing that really annoys me about non league is is the fact that the picture road are like bloody everywhere, and it just annoys me that every website you see down there looks exactly the same and has all the same problems in it. So this one is is completely different. It's uh, completely bespoke. Yeah. And if yeah, if if they were going to buy it, it would cost them many many thousands of pounds, but luckily I gave it to them. I also designed their badge for them as well. Did that did that out of the goodness of my heart as well. So and it looks a lot better now as well. Um <laughs> but yeah, that's the only involvement I've had. So I I give them about probably about 3 or 4 hours a year on the website updating uh, just updating the 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 the, the shell of it. Uh, they update all the content on there, so I don't have to worry about that. It's only when they get in trouble that they call me and, and ask me to to do something for it, but it's it's very minimal. But the important thing is the option is there, and if I did want to get involved in it, then I could. And 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 you see people who who do want that at, in, in a club, and I think it's great that it's there for them. It's just not for me, and I think that's fine because I think we're all we all enjoy football in a different way. And and as I get older, I, I, I that that isn't just something that I'm conscious of. It's something that I recognise as being one of the most important factors of football is is how we how we watch the game and how we consume it and how we enjoy it and what and what we get out of it and what we get out of of other people's pleasure of the game as well. 
because I, th- I think that's that's vital. And I think you get all of that at non-league. And and if anyone said, oh, I'm thinking about going to see the club at the end of my road, I'd say I I would say yeah, go and do it. Do you you will you will enjoy it more than anything. You won't necessarily end up doing the program. <laughs> no, but you might. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely might. Ten years is a decent stint in non-league football. Have they been any good? Uh, they've had periods where they've been good. Uh, they've had periods where they've been shocking, utterly shocking. But in both instances, I would say that I've enjoyed my experience them, uh, of them just the same. When I first became a season ticket holder there, the first season that I had with the season ticket holder, they got relegated. And it was the first time they'd officially got relegated rather than just being put down a level because of restructuring. It, this was... And, and it was weird. It was it was a weird experience being there because I'd, I'd watched them every week, and and it, and it was strange. You you suddenly felt that there was a pang of, oh, this is this is actually bad news for them, isn't it? In the end, it wasn't that bad news because we had two great seasons down, one step below. We were sh- shockingly awful that last season. We were in um, uh, the 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 Ryman as it was then. Uh, we were we were terrible. Um, we were comedically terrible. Uh, which which was which was one saving grace of that season. But of course, as well, even when you have a bad season, you've always got those one or two games. And I remember we had a draw against Maidstone. Maidstone were back on the rise then, and and it was like we won. It was our FA Cup. It really was. It was it it was absolutely amazing. The atmosphere there was 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 brilliant. And and I and and that was that was the time we hadn't seen a a, a point yet alone a win all season. And I think this was probably about January, February time. And uh, and it was just the mood on the club was 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 just amazing. We knew we were going down, but and then Ian Selly arrived. Yeah, Ian Selly, who didn't play in my first ever non-league match because I think he was injured at the time as a Woking player. Funny where these players wow. show up, isn't it? Did you see him at Highbury as well then? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because uh, he was he would have been playing. Yeah, he was. He was definitely playing when um, when John Jensen scored and I was there for then. So, yeah, he was definitely playing in that in that day. So. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, totally. I think I probably that was that was probably the period where I was going to Arsenal most, I think, uh, at that sort of time. Uh, yeah. So. So, yeah. De- so, so, yeah, definitely, definitely saw him then. Um and yeah, and then and then he starts playing at, at, at Whiteleaf uh, via Fulham and Woking, and I think he was on loan from uh, from Case, yeah, from Kingstonian at the time. I think he was. Uh, this was uh, probably about that time when they had someone who was spending more money than than they actually had. So yeah, yeah, that was yeah at, at that time. Yeah, before before the very bad times. Yeah, <laughs> non-league football. Eh? When the gates open up, when we can all go back to the football. Which yeah. position in the queue are you in at Wyleaf? <laughs> uh, I I had season ticket number one for this season, so it, yeah, Did you it really? is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's I'm I'm I am I I am I'm I'm badgering them for the for 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 the for the, for the season ticket form to come out, and I know I only got about four or five games out of that last one, but I don't care. I'll, I I don't want a refund for it. I just want to to get back in and start watching again it it I, it's something that i've i've missed more than i thought i would we we had a, a taste of it back in september october we had a lovely little, little cup run uh we had good numbers coming in and and it was just great to be back really when lockdown happened we'd only missed about three home games i think 
because it was beginning of March, season ends middle of April. So and I, and so we were winding down anyway. We weren't going to trouble the the playoffs. So th- that step didn't really affect me. It's it, it's only really been this period, this last three months that that has really. This is the time when I'd be going to watch football. The weirdest thing is the way when it really affected me was was when was when Strictly Come Dancing was on. Stick stick <laughs> with me here. Please stick with me. My my wife's a big fan of Strictly. She watches it every year. And the, what I find it synonymous with is me coming back from football because I'll have been down the club, perhaps sneaked into the Whiteleaf Tavern on the way back, and I'll I'll rock back home about seven o'clock when Strictly will be on. And there's the and there's wife very happy. We're we're making dinner downstairs. Strictly's on the telly, and I've got this warm glow of being. Yeah, a little bit drunk and having watched football all day. And it's like a great Saturday. And then all of a sudden this winter comes around, Strictly Come Dancing is on, and I've not been to the football. And I'm not slightly merry from a couple of pints. And and, and uh, yeah, that was then that I thought, now this isn't what I do at winter. What I do at winter is I go and watch football. Then this is on. Then this is on. Then, then I can handle it. Not now. I mean, not, not that. This, this isn't sport. This is not a replacement, okay? I think there are plenty of people listening to this who will be able to relate to that. I know I can. Graham, it's been a real pleasure catching up. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell us where we can find you and, of course, The Sound of Football? Uh, well, I am at Graham Sibley on Twitter, but I am probably more vocal as at Sound of Football. And uh, you can well, you can come listen to the podcast at sofpodcast.com and any any sort of the podcatcher stuff that they, we're everywhere you can't move for us you know you'll 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 trip over us sooner or later definitely recommended and if you've enjoyed meeting graham you'll enjoy our other episodes as well don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts humans of non-league is a sphinx football production thank you for listening <laughs>